So grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through the Lord Jesus. Amen. You've heard me talk about Pharaoh, I think, many times from the story of the Exodus. Pharaoh sometimes can see like this larger-than-life monster. This sort of like caricature, like nobody really thinks and acts like Pharaoh anymore. He just demands more and more and more and more work. He uses people as expendable resources, right, in order to provide as much life and wealth and power for himself. Because for Pharaoh, work is life, right? Work is life. The work of all of the people makes life for Pharaoh. He's got cities stored up with all the food that he maintains control over. He's got power Work is life for Pharaoh, and that means that he absolutely despises rest. In a reading that we're going to hear in a moment, he's going to refer to the people as lazy. Because Moses and Aaron want to take them away from their work just for a few days to go and celebrate Yahweh out in the wilderness. He tells them, what are you doing? Why are you taking them away and going to make them rest from all of their work? He despises rest because work for Pharaoh is life. This way of Pharaoh, while it is life for him, it is really indeed underneath it all a way of death. A way of death. Using people as resources and trying to maximize the amount of what he gains, it seems, in the cheapest way with free labor. Pharaoh may seem like a caricature, a monster that is sort of beyond imagination, beyond real life, or at least real life today in our context today, right? It's easy to think, well, that was back then. People in our culture don't think that way today, but that's not necessarily the case. Labor Day weekend, this is a wonderful thing. I think a really beautiful and wonderful thing that our country has done. A day to recognize workers, a day to recognize laborers, a day of national rest, right? Day of national rest. This is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I'm so thankful for it and to be a part of it. But as I was looking into the history of Labor Day and its founding, there's an interesting event that took place right around when that holiday was signed into law. There's a man by the name of Pullman who had the Pullman Sleeping Railroad Company. He also seemingly owned a town called Pullman, Illinois, which was the company town where all the workers for Pullman lived, or many of the workers lived. Pullman at one point decided to lay off hundreds of workers and then to reduce the pay of the rest of the workers, it seems, by about 30%. On top of that, in Pullman, Illinois, it seems he refused to decrease the amount of rent that people were supposed to pay and that he also didn't decrease the amount of cost in the stores. Think about that, right? I'm going to pay you 30% less and expect you to pay me the same amount back for rent and for the stores as well. I mean, this is, again, a very truncated view of Pullman, but that sounds a lot like Pharaoh, right? Do more or do the same, but I expect somehow more out of you in some way or another. Well, I mean, this didn't make the workers very happy. They ended up pushing for a boycott of Pullman rail cars, and it affected 27 states across the country. It ended up turning also into riots, which destroyed railroad cars and other property as well. 
The bill that put this holiday into action was signed in 1894 in June. A few days later, later, federal troops were sent to put an end to the Pullman riots, and a number of workers were killed. This is messy reality. Labor Day, beautiful, wonderful thing, a thing of rest, and yet there are still these realities of like Pharaoh's ethos. I don't think I've used this word with you all before, but it's this idea of things being pharaonic from the root word Pharaoh, right? If things are oppressive, if they are diminishing the lives of others, if they are demanding more and more and more, we can call them like pharaonic demands. You'd think that after something like that, that things would get better in the labor force. But we had issues with child labor up into the 1930s. And thankfully, again, legislation has been passed and there's been movement in laws and things to help protect child labor. But I think we can see throughout history, our country, other countries as well, this is a worldwide issue. People and companies want to make products that are cheap. You want to decrease your cost as much as you can in order to maximize your profits. There is, again, a sense of wisdom in that, but it can so quickly turn towards destructive behaviors. I was curious, I mean, I have an idea of what people do on Labor Day, but I went online and was just kind of like, what are the top 10, 15, 20 things that people do on Labor Day? Beautiful things, picnics, family gatherings, sporting events, lots of things that culminate in a sense of rest and rejuvenation for people. But one thing that kept showing up in the midst of those lists also was make sure that you take advantage of Labor Day sales. Labor Day sales, right? We have lots of times of year where there are sales. I don't know about you, but I think sales should make us pause and wonder how can something be so cheap? And not just when we have sales, but like everyday stuff. How can things be made so cheaply? And this is advantage at many times for us because sometimes, right, depending on where your work is, it may be difficult to make ends meet. And it's really beneficial to have things that don't cost a whole lot. But how can things be made so cheaply? Well, again, there's a lot of answers to this. Sometimes it's using products that are cheaper and maybe not even made in the safest way. Sometimes it's outsourcing. And that can mean not doing the work of digging into who's doing the work in other countries, which sometimes people have found out includes things like child labor. There's this ongoing pharaonic demand, this ongoing problem in our world today. Many people still work on Labor Day, which they must. Some people must work on Labor Day for various reasons. Healthcare has to continue on because if you're sick or dying, Holidays don't matter at that point. They don't come up to give you some rest. You need people working to help take care of you. But there's also many people, I think, that work because we have this ethos that we participate in that just continues to demand more of others. What do many of us do on days off? Housework, right? Take care of the yard. Go to Menards or Lowe's or Home Depot, any home improvement store, and you've got to get the products to be able to do the work, but that continues to perpetuate more people working on a day that could be a day of rest. There's sales to take advantage of, right? I've got to have this product now. I've got to get it overnighted. I've got to get it here now. And often that's even cheaper than going to like a local store by like 10 or 20%. How can this be? Can those things really wait? There's so much. We think Pharaoh's like an image of the past. 
Those pharaonic demands, this pharaonic ethos continues to be present today in many complicated ways, and it's a way of death. The Pharisees in Jesus' day were also against life. They were perpetuating a way of death, and we're going to hear about this in our reading today, which is from Matthew 12, not the one that's printed in your bulletin. But their way of death was actually a rather surprising one because their pharaonic demands prevented people from doing work. Work is life for Pharaoh, so everybody else better work so I can have life. For the Pharisees, it's stopping working. Somehow the demands of the law to make sure no one's working, that's where life is found. So you better not even help anybody or heal anybody on the Sabbath. But Jesus understands that rest is life. Rest is life. And he wants others to be able to rest. And so he does whatever must be done, even breaking the law in the Pharisees' minds to bring rest. What does he do when they're walking along and they need some food? His disciples crush some grains and eat them as they walk along, right? They do work. What happens when somebody shows up who's sick on the Sabbath and the Pharisees are saying, you better not heal him, what are you going to do? He does the work. He heals the person to bring rest because Jesus understands that rest is life. And he speaks truth to power to these Pharisees. He says, haven't you ever heard from the scriptures? Which is a real interesting dig. (laughs) These are Bible nerds. This is what they do. They read the scriptures. Have you never read what David did when he went into the temple and ate the consecrated bread? He broke the law. He shouldn't be eating that bread at all. And yet it was absolutely fine. Why? Because rest, food, nourishment, these things are life. Haven't you ever read, he says, what the priests do on the Sabbath? They work. The priesthood doesn't stop carrying on their business. But this is for the rest of the people. It is life. It doesn't mean that the priests are meant to function as slaves, always working. There are other ways of rest for them as well. It's not about strict obedience. It's not about these pharaonic demands. Keep the law, keep the law, keep the law. Jesus is willing to do whatever it takes to bring rest. And even in his death, where is he laid out? Excuse me, on what day is he laid out? Sabbath. It's the Sabbath day that Jesus is dead, resting in the tomb. He does what no one else wants to do. He is willing to do the work that no one else is able to do, to enter into death, to bring rest, and to break the cycle and the patterns that continually lead to death. And he calls us to rest as well. He does this on your behalf and on mine, right? He takes away the work, in a sense, and just provides us with rest. He transfers us from a kingdom of slavery under pharaonic demands, into a kingdom in which he says, I'm going to provide an abundance for you. The order of service that we're going to be following along with today is meant to help shape our our language, thoughts, our behaviors around this language of Sabbath rest in Jesus. And that may mean at times learning to take upon ourselves new patterns of living at times. This may mean that at times we may need to rethink what it is to take a day off. 
Maybe taking a day off means not doing housework. Maybe it means putting down a screen or shutting off the TV because of all the demands that text messages and emails put upon us at times. Maybe it means we need to rethink how we go about our rest. If you're retired, maybe it still means you need to rethink about how you take time to rest because retirement from everybody that I hear is just busy, right? More work, more stuff to do, and that's not bad. It's not bad. But we should be thinking about how we show rest in our lives and to the world because Christ calls us to these things. It may mean that we need to rethink how we engage holidays, right? How we engage time off. And again, some people can't take time off on holidays. Sometimes it's just not possible. But are we perpetuating the ethos of Pharaoh? with desires to hoard and establish our own goodness and our own life and security without considering the ramification of other workers? Or are there things that we can adjust, even small ways, to consider the lives of others who continue to labor and work? My prayer is that this order of service that we have today will help us embrace ways of thinking, behaving, and speaking that will help move us to what God defines as life-giving, specifically as life-giving rest. And what we do today is actually a smaller portion of something more that we're going to be doing in the weeks ahead as a way of engaging this promise of God. And as we lean into God's promise of Sabbath in Jesus, that we would also learn to practice rest in concrete ways in our own lives. Because we're bound to Jesus, and this is for our good. And it is for the good of our neighbor. Now may the peace that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.